Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. In, in grace and peace, this is Freestyle Fridays where everything... Every topic is fair game as long as it is biblical. My name is David Chandler, sitting alongside me, G.T. Hawkins, and it is great to be back on the air. I hope everybody has had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and I hope everybody is, is enjoying their Christmas season so far. Uh, we're going to be talking about something that I guess it's near and dear to my heart, and that's called Seven Seven Devils, One Plan. And that's with regards to the hip-hop and rap industry, or the music industry as a whole. Or should I say the, the entire entertainment industry. And... Um, pretty vital, it's very vital that we know our enemy. For those of you that are in the military and for those of you who have served in the military, you know you've been taught by your superiors, your sergeants, your captains, or whatever whatever have you, what, what have you, that in order to fight your enemy and win, you have to learn of his strengths and his weaknesses. That's why I don't understand why Christians say that we should focus on positive things and 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 not focus on the negative. Well, we have to focus on the, neg- the negative in order to get to the positive, and that's what the Bible does. The Bible focuses on the negative before we get to the positive. As a matter of fact, that's all through the book of Romans. Romans focuses on, well, the first four chapters or five chapters of the book of Romans focuses on man's sin. And it's not until we get to chapter, I believe it's chapter seven or eight, where Paul talks about um, the gospel. And Paul talks about uh, what Jesus has done, his love, you know, for that he has commended towards us as sinners So, um, with that being said, it's not giving place to the enemy, it's not giving place to the devil to to expose his activities. As a matter of fact, it's it's by by us exposing the enemy that uh, weakens him even more. And uh, so, with that being said... Um, I'm going to open up, or I'm going to have Najiti, my partner over here, open up in a word of prayer. Uh, Najiti, are you on? You could unmute yeah, I'm yourself. Here. If you I'm can. here, bro. Okay. I'm here. Okay. Okay. Uh, could you open up with a open this up with a word of prayer? 
Certainly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you in prayer, and we ask that you open the ears and the minds and the hearts of all of us and uh, help us to uh, fellowship and help us to open up the subject uh, and from a spiritual perspective so that we can get a better understanding of how to counter the wiles of the devil and how to... uh, comprehend and understand the tactics of the enemy so that we won't be caught unawares uh, because, Father God, this subject about music runs deep. And uh, we just pray, Father God, that you open the minds and hearts of all the people that call in, all the people that listen, and uh, use us to be uh, a tool to bring your message out, Father God, uh, and Jesus' name we pray. Pray, sorry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My topic for tonight is Seven Devils, One Planet. I'm going to start off by reading a particular passage of Scripture, and that's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And I'm not going to turn there because I know it by heart. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness, and against the uh, rulers, uh, against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. And first we have to look at, we have to dissect that verse because I know for those of you that are going to be listening tonight, We've heard that verse quoted before, and for the most part, it's quoted incorrectly or it's not quoted in its proper context, or it's not quoted, uh, it's not given, uh, you know, that the pastors are not, or that the leaders that are in these particular churches are not giving they're not given enough time or they don't take the time to dissect it the way that it should so that people can get a proper understanding of the, of, of the verse. But we're going to do that tonight. First of all, we're going to start off with the word principalities. Now, that's first on Paul's list of demonic uh, of the demonic hierarchy, I guess, First of all, we need to understand what Paul was talking about before we get into all that in that verse. I guess I am going to have to turn there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty much um, like where he says, um, you know, before we wrestle not against flesh and blood, it's a clear indication that he's making a distinction between flesh and blood Right, of uh, flesh and blood versus, but against the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, so on and so on. In the same verse, so there's there's a distinct group that he has uh, separated uh, separated in just this verse here. You have the human component, and he's telling he's telling us not to. Not don't forget that we wrestle not against the human component, but against the spiritual 
component. That is where our real battle is. And it's not just uh it's not just a battle against the spiritual aspects or the spiritual philosophies and spiritual doctrines and stuff, but we are literally at war with spiritual beings. And these beings, these higher this these uh these spiritual beings seem to uh dwell in a particular a particular rank structure. And I know me, you and Dave I mean Dave and I we've we've talked about this uh for a long amount of time. Even while I was lifting weights, we was talking about that because we're trying to figure figure out the rank structure. But uh yeah, it's definitely against a spiritual aspect, but there are spiritual beings in whom we are at war with. And that's exactly what uh Paul is pointing out here. Well yeah, Paul is making a distinction between uh the human aspect of our battle and the spiritual aspect. He's telling the Ephesian church that your fight is not against each other, but it's against um people, you know, the demonic realm is it's a spiritual warfare. Right. And here in verse 12, in verse 12, uh, it says, you know, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now notice, Paul is even making a distinction between principalities. First here, we have principalities. We have powers. We have rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there, here, Paul is talking about a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Principalities is number one. So we're talking about the a pecking order. We're, we're talking about the principalities that are, are at the top of the list. Then second is powers. Thirdly is the rulers of the darkness of this world. And four is against spiritual wickedness in high places. So let's try to examine all four aspects of these spiritual beings. Now, principalities are supposed to be the highest. Uh, and how can we prove this? Can we prove this scripturally? Of course we can. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 14. Ezekiel 
Ezekiel 28. Turning, turning. Got it. And I want to start at verse 12. Son of man, take up a, a lamp, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now notice here he's talking about an angel. Thou hast been in Eden. Verse 13. Note this very well. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, and the workmanship of thy tabrets, which are musical instruments, and of thy pipes, were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Verse 14. Please pay attention to this. Thou art the... The anointed cherub, <clears throat> excuse me, that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now this is interesting here that the prophet Ezekiel is saying this in verse 14. Thou art the, the, the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, a cherub is supposed to be the highest ranking angel in heaven besides the seraphim and the cherubims. And they're principalities, I, I get. And, and God placed Lucifer, he made Lucifer the guardian of, of, of his throne. He was the prettiest, he was the most um, immaculate, I guess, immaculate, I guess that's the term that I'm looking for. Uh, he was the most beautiful angel in the entire, amongst the entire angelic host. And verse, and I'm going to look at the last portion of verse 14. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You've been walking up and down heaven like you owned it. And it says in verse 15, Thou was perfect in, in thy ways from the day that thou was created until iniquity pride was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, out of heaven, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. He's, now this is God speaking. God said, I will I'm gonna kick you out because of your sin mm -hmm. and you will no, you will be profaned in my eyes. You will no longer be you know in your estate. You you're you're gonna be kicked out and eventually you're going to be discarded. You're going to be uh Sent to hell. Right. So, That's actually, uh, actually, he's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit, and then into the lake of fire. Well, yeah, the the, the bottomless pit. Um, I, I, some people, some scholars think that or believe that the bottomless pit is hell, 
and he's going to be held there until after the thousand years is up, and then he's going to be released, and he's going to do all these. He's going to come back to Earth, or he's going to return, and he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to wreak havoc again until uh, Jesus Christ finally sets his kingdom on Earth, the New Jerusalem, and then he's finally going to be judged, and he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire where the worm dieth not and the beast and the false prophet are. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, the bottomless pit, some people, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of up in the air about that, but some people believe that the bottomless pit is hell. But, you know, I'm, again, like, I'm up in the air about it's that. Good. But It could sorry? be, uh, like, when I get a chance, I'll look it up. But it could be. If the Greek word used there is, is Tartarus, Yes, well, Taurus. Is, is it? Yeah. That's the Greek word used there in Revelation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Taurus or... Um, well, I yeah, think Taurus. Well, I think yeah, Tartarus. Or, but oh. if, it's part, if, if it is Taurus, then, yeah, it is, that's hell. Yeah, that's pretty much hell. Because the angels who sinned in Genesis 6, they're still there. And... Uh, and we read in the book of Jude, um, I'll go there real quick. Well, the, the word Sheol is Greek also. Then you've got... Um, well, what's the, word, what's the word being used in uh, Revelation where it says he was thrown into the bottomless pit? I, I believe that the word there is Gehenna or Sheol, uh, but I'm not sure if it's Tataris. I, I may have to look that up. Okay, yeah, I want to be sure about what I say, but uh, in any case, right here, um, in Jude, in Jude verses, uh, I'll just read through 4, 5, and 6, um, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men who crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I would therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. See, where it says that uh, they're in chains of darkness, uh, the Greek word is Tartarus, and mm-hmm. that's was associated with hell in the Greek, or Hades in the Greek uh, philosophy. But um, in either case, yeah, Satan is going to be cast out, uh, as we read in Revelations chapter uh, 12, where there's war. Let me go there now. To just, and this is just to show the consistency of the Bible, and mm-hmm. where Ezekiel 28 Read that last part again. Uh, verse, which verse, 14 or 15? It's uh, 14 and 15. 
okay. I think it was 16. Um, oh, oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O ch covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Right. So, in the process of time, matter of fact, let me, let me grab it. Grab it here. Uh, let's see, 19. New Jerusalem, 22. Uh, Beast and False Prophet. All right. This is uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. I gotta look. I gotta look that Greek word up too, because uh, that could be Tartarus too. But anyways, and when the thousand years, this is verse seven. When the thousand years are expired, are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, and they went up on the breast of the earth encompassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Yeah, that's, uh, and whosoever was found not written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. It's yeah, I was in Revelation 20, verse 7, 8, 9, 10, and that was it. Just collaborating, you know what I'm saying, Ezekiel 28. With yeah, this the, is, uh, yeah, th this is... Not hell, but this is the lake of fire. This is the great white throne judgment. No, it's not the lake, uh, great white throne judgment. Well, it is, actually. Re Revelation chapter 20 and 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Right. And this, it, it, So this is after the thousand year reign. And so uh, Jesus is judging the unsaved. Yeah, in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10 is when Satan is cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, so that's not Tartarus. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's another Greek word. That's probably either Sheol, no, not Sheol, because that's, that's Greek for grave, but... Um, I gotta look that up because I don't want to be on the air. To, uh, well, uh, I, uh, you know, I don't. I'll, I'll look it up when I. <laughs> like you transform it into something. <laughs> You're like, you know, like what? Is, are you all right there, dude? No, I'm not. Yeah, but you got you got me looking it up too, and uh. Yeah, uh, loose from his prison. 
Yeah, let me look it up right now while while you're uh What Greek term is that? Yeah. Yeah, Revelation twenty seven verse seven word prison. Okay. <laughs> Fuleke. Fuleke? Yeah. P H U L A K E. Fuleke. Fuleke. Oh, P H U L A K A? Yeah. And it means to uh, watch, a watching, keeping watch, to keep watch, persons keeping watch, a guard. Uh, centennials uh, of the place where captives are kept, a prison uh, of the time of night during which the guard was kept, uh, a period of time during which part of the guard was on duty, and at the end of which, uh, let's see, others relieved him. Uh, the The Greeks divided the night commonly into three parts. Uh, previous, previously to the exile, the Israelites also had three uh, watches at night. Subsequently, however, after they became subject to the Romans, they adopted the Roman custom of standing the night, of dividing the night into four watches. So... Uh, so pretty much she was in a prison, not necessarily hell. Right. So that there is either Sheol. Well, it said Fuleke. 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 Fuleke, hmm. yeah. I've never heard that before, but okay. Well, uh, let's continue on here with our study. Yeah. So... Paul is basically is saying that again I have to reiterate that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds and if anybody that's listening to this recording is wondering what chapter and verse that is uh that is 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 for the weapons of our warfare are not cornered, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, again, Paul is reiterating what he said in Ephesians chapter 6, 12. Our weapon, the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. So, it is in very, it, it's very important that we know our enemy because our enemy knows us. Our enemy is has spent 6,000 years studying man right and he knows our weaknesses he knows our strengths he knows our likes our dislikes and so don't you think it's logical to believe that he's going to use our fleshly natures to bring us down and so it could be anything and so what makes you think he's going to use the thing that we love so much 
I mean, the most. I mean, more than anything. And that's who knows that more so than he does. And and that's music. That's music. Right. When you mention music, when you mention people's favorite rapper or their favorite uh, R&B star or whatever the case may be, or even when it comes to rock music, people, especially in a negative, like people will get angry. They will get, and it's, it's the type of anger that's vitriolic. They just, like, want to hurt you because who do you think you are talking about Jay-Z? You don't know nothing about rap. Do I really want to know anything about rap music? Because <laughs> rap music is all about nihilism. It's all about guns. It's all about violence. It's all about uh, sleeping around with different women because you're a man and you're supposed to be a real G. So, and all this other stuff. So with that being said, I am going to list since our conversation, since the recording is about rap music and the spiritual aspects of it, I'm going to list the seven demonic principalities that are in control of this music, or if you want to call it music. And the first one on the list is this is Reje, or Reja, which is the spirit of the occult. And that is the Beatles in 1968, uh, Fleetwood Mac in 1975 with their song Rhiannon, which is about a Welsh, a Welsh witch. Um, and of course, you pretty—I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the, um, the the group Bone Thugs and Harmony, their song Mr. Ouija. Yeah, very familiar with it. That's all about the occult. And if you turn, if you look at their, their, their DVD color, uh, or CD cover, everything is written backwards. So I'm pretty sure you're asking, well, what's the significance of that? Well, if you know anything about the occult, or if you know anything about a guy by the name of Aleister Crowley, he teaches backward, you know, he teaches living the backwards path. And um, so uh, even in the Church of Satan, they teach people how to do things backwards. Mm-hmm. Like saying the um, the Lord's Prayer backwards. Uh, like, uh, but with the Bone Thugs in Harmony, everything, when you turned... Their, uh, D, their their CD over to the back, everything is written backwards. And you take it up to the mirror and you read it backwards. So that's putting a curse. You know why they do that? Because they're putting a curse on themselves. They're, they're putting a curse in their spiritual lives. They're invoking Satan into their lives. And John Todd had it right. He said that music was created specifically to cast spells on people that are un, that are the unsuspecting people, or people who 
are not suspecting it or people who are unaware about it, of it that they're they're casting spells on themselves he said that music is a spell yeah and you know uh what we were talking about the other day i was telling you that uh during during the time that i was listening to bone thugs um it kind of sent me into a very dark area or a dark time in my life because uh you know what i'm saying i play i played around with the spirits at that time uh testing them here testing them there uh you know what i'm saying and I took that CD cover and stood in the mirror and read it backwards. And immediately after that, it's like, not immediately, but sometime after that, you know what I'm saying, like, I I started to play around with it little by little. Um, but, yeah, it was a very dark time in my life, so... The influence is, is is strong, you know what I'm saying? That stronghold is there. And if and I didn't know this at the time, but, you know what I'm saying, like these spiritual beings and these demonic entities, they can travel through what, what I call a time warp, or some people will call it different dimensions, you know what I'm saying? They can enter in and out through certain paths. And they can't force themselves in unless there's some type of, you know what I'm saying, unless somebody opens that portal to them, then they can't enter in. And by opening yourself to it, that's how you invite them into your life. You invite them uh, into your life, and if if you uh, go too far with it, you can eventually in, uh, invite them to enter into your body. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they they can gain possession. Of, well, I, I I believe in demon possession, and mm-hmm. people who are in the occult are more prone to um, demon possession than people who aren't, but and that's not to say that it doesn't happen to the people who aren't necessarily involved in the occult. The Bible says, he that isn't with me is against me, so it doesn't really matter if you are involved in occultism or not. If you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a follower of the devil, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. And But with, with it pertaining to the occult... Um, it's very, very important to understand that these musicians are getting their music from somewhere, and they cannot just... Beyonce herself told you that I can't sing at all, and I'm usually reserved. You know, I'm shy. I, you know, I don't like being in front of people, but when I lift my hands up, or I, I, I actually feel something enter into me, so why would she be saying that for shock value? Why would she be sh- saying that if she was joking? I wouldn't joke about anything like that. Right. She's saying it because that's exactly what happened. She gave herself over to the devil for fame and fortune, 
And the only way that she can get up there and perform is to lend herself over to the spirit guides. And they use her. They, that's where the music is coming from. It's the same with these magicians, quote-unquote. Like, we just talked about this last night, or the night before, I believe. David Copperfield, Chris Angel, especially Chris Angel, and another Asian man, I can't remember his name still, but he, all of those guys are, they're demon-possessed. Either they've become a literal human, a spiritual human chalice where there's more than one demon inhabiting these individuals, or they're inhabited by one demon that's... (laughs) that's extremely powerful and they're able to do these things at will and it's it's just it, to me it, it's it's just how i see it it's, it's just the way that it is i mean how in the world how else are they doing these things right you know how el- how else is chris angel able to float above a piece of glass or take a piece of glass and stick it in his eye that comes out on the other side of his head. That that's the money. that's not sight that's not sleight of hand. Yeah, right. And the same with these musicians. These these guys are seventy three years old now, like Mick Jagger having kids at seventy three. That you know and then he's still up there prancing around like he's 23. He's not doing that by himself. There's He's being possessed. He's being inhabited by these entities. Right. Uh, Jay-Z with his, his uh, you know, he was on a YouTube video with a shirt called Do What Thou... And on it, it was emblazoned... Alistair Crowley's phrase, do what thou wilt. So where do you think he's getting? He even said that, well, I'm like Frank Sinatra. Well, didn't Um, he say uh, he had a spirit guide? Yeah, he said that. He said, I'm like Frank Sinatra. I'm guided by the, I'm possessed by the spirits. Yeah. So, uh, uh, could could you uh, take um, give me a, uh, about five five minutes? I'll, I'll be right back. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just take over for a couple of minutes. Well, um, yeah. When David when David gets back, um, and I'm gonna just throw this out here right now because I actually wanted to figure out. Or try to figure out the scientific, the scientific uh, perspective behind music, and I came up with one, two, three, four, five possible answers. And uh, when Dave returns, I, I want him to try and uh, go over each one. One, audio frequencies, music is, or well, sound actually. But, yeah, music is sound, 
and it's audio frequencies that travel through the air into the ear. Hello? I'm back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just uh I was just explaining that um well actually I was going over the scientific perspective of what you know what I'm saying what music is. And I started off just pointing out that music pretty much is audio frequencies that travel through the air into the ears. Second, uh, when it enters into the ears, the same way that light or images enter into the eyes and there's a process done to, uh, you know, sent to the brain so the brain can make sense of what it's looking at, the same thing is done with the, with the sound waves. They crash into the ear, uh, they cram together, and then it hits the eardrum, and it sends a signal to the brain. And the brain, mm-hmm. the brain processes what is being heard. Like the sound of my voice, my voice produces sound waves that go into this phone. It travels through electricity and comes out on the receiving end. And then the sound hits your ear, your eardrum vibrates, and then it sends a signal to the brain so you can understand exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to uh, music, when this is done, it causes excitement. You see what I'm saying? Right. It, it causes some type of excitement in the brain. This is what music does. And... Uh, it's pretty much like a stimulant, like uh, for anybody that you know. It's it's a common thing. Uh, with a, stim- a stimulant, for instance, like you have you have sex, you have drugs, and then you have food. The body reacts to those things because uh, it releases. Well, before I go there, well, yeah, the body, the body uses those senses in a way. And anytime you, uh, like for married folk or, you know, people who fornicate, you know, when they get when they get sex, they get that 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 drowsy feeling, not drowsy feeling, but that, that feeling inside, like that feel-good feeling. Or like cocaine, you know, uh, I, I never use cocaine or anything like that, but uh, cocaine and other drugs, uh, stimulate the brain, and it releases uh, a chemical called dopamine. And uh, the same with food. You know, when you uh, wake up in the morning, you might want to have some pancakes, eggs, and bacon, and you just can't wait to sit down and eat. And when you eat, it tastes so good. You sit there, you go, mmm, mmm, this is delicious. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's because the brain is releasing what is called dopamine. Now, uh, how that, how that all works, I can get into that, but I'm, I'm not. But music has the same effect. It really it causes that 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 excitement in the brain to release that dopamine inside your brain, and it it like when you hear your favorite song. It can make you just jump up and just start dancing, running around the church, 
uh, doing cartwheels, or depending on what type of song it is. If you're working out, you hear that, that deep bass and that up-tempo. It makes you want to work out even harder, make you want to run harder. Or if you're in the mood with your, with your, uh, with your spouse and you're trying to set the ambience, you're going to lower the lights, but you might play some, some nice uh, slow jam music in the background or whatever because you're trying to mm-hmm. set ambience. And mm-hmm. music has that capability of causing the brain to release that dopamine. And just like people can overeat, people can get addicted to drugs and to, addicted to sex, because the body is rewarding itself for uh, experiencing these types of um, these type of uh, feelings. So the dopamine that's released into the brain is addictive. And when right. you hear that, when you hear that song, or when you hear a song, and it's releasing those dopamines. Imagine if it's a song that you really like, then your dopamine level is going to skyrocket. And this is, you know what I'm saying, like, now we understand why you see people on Facebook posting themselves, dancing to uh, dancing to Lil Wayne or, or, or whoever, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. uh, they, 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 they into it. Like, for instance, when... I was listening to DMX. I, you know, it it released those that chemical in my brain, and it made me feel like like I was on top of the world. Like I like I was truly a, like the thug. I was the I was the meanest meanest thug on the block. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to point that out because it not only affects the blood pressure, but it causes the heart to race mm-hmm. and even touches as deep down as the emotional compartments of your psyche. Mm-hmm. So being that music by itself can do that to us, how much more can it affect us when you have a spiritual element behind controlling the melody, you know what I'm saying, controlling the at the controlling the background. And then yeah. and here's and here's another thing I wanted to put out there and ask your your take on this, Dave. Okay. I want I wanna know when you have the music aspect and the dopamine involved here causing the stimulation in the brain, seeing how it touches the emotional parts of us, mm-hmm. how much more can that be used when you have words put to the melody and the spiritual aspect? Well, the words are the final piece of the puzzle. With with secular music, the power is not in the words. It's in the music itself. It's in the beat. And like I said, like again, like I said, like I just explained, uh, there's two... Um, hemispheres of the brain you have the left hemisphere that controls logic intellect uh, mm-hmm. reasoning thought well actually reason uh, and, uh, is controlled by the prefrontal lobe but 
the left side of the brain controls the intellectual portion, the, the, uh, ra the rationale and things of that sort, but the, the right side of the brain is the seat of emotions, creativity, uh, you know, um, things of that sort. Uh, so sometimes uh, mu what music does when you hear your favorite song and you hear that first note, and it doesn't even have to be words, it can be the very first note, <laughs> you go, it sends you to another place, it sends you to another realm, it sends you to another, and it stays in your head all day. I don't know if I've pointed this out, but it stays in yeah. your head all day, that's, that one particular song. Yeah, that's true. Hey, what's up, Dan? I see you out there, bro. Whoa, 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 what up, bro? Continue, I don't want to interrupt. Continue, I'm listening. Go ahead, D. All, All right. right. Hey, what's going on, Darian? Not too much, bro. Uh, that's good. That's good. But, yeah, um, so that's pivotal to why people are controlled, especially by rap music. And they're controlled by rap music to the extent of every if everything else. Nothing else matters but that music. So they will dress like the rappers, they will talk like them, they will yeah. smoke weed like them, if they, especially if their favorite rapper is a weed smoker like Wiz Khalifa and Method Man and all those other guys. And Snoop by the way, Dogg. I'm sorry? Uh, I was just saying Snoop Dogg. Oh, Snoop Dogg is a cancer patient. But um, Wiz Khalifa looks like he's skinnier than me. I'm like, yeah. this dude... Is a hundred pounds soaking wet? I thought I was bad. Yeah. Now check this out. Now, now what you said is, it, 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 it makes sense to me because, uh, I was when I was working in D.C. I was working like, uh, like three, three maybe four jobs, trying to hold down, you know, trying to make some money and um, four I was, jobs. Yeah, yeah, I was working pretty hard, bro. And I was working at JFK, uh, JFK, no, was it JFK or Ronald Reagan? I think it was Ronald Reagan National Airport. And I would catch the subway back and forth from home. And one day, I caught the train, I was catching the train home, the subway, and it was just crowds of people. So I was trying to figure out, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, but they was all young. So I'm like, uh, I wonder what's going on. So I asked somebody, I was like, what's, what's going on? It was like, oh, you know, it's the Lil Wayne concert and all this other stuff. And this, well, it wasn't even Lil Wayne. It was the Hot Boys. <laughs> Excuse me. It was the Hot Boys concert. This is when Lil Hot Wayne. Boys. Yeah, when Lil Wayne and uh, uh, I forgot some the other crew's name, BG and all them other guys. This is when all of them was together. Very and it's like all them guys. Yeah, this is like during the nineties or whatever, the late nineties. And I could have swore I picked out maybe ten guys who were dressed just like Lil Wayne. Ten oh, wow. guys in there dressed like Lil Wayne. Some of them had the hair like them, some of them had the pant the big baggy uh the big baggy shorts. You know, they're not they don't look like shorts but they, they they shorts, they come all the way down to your ankles. They had the jersey on like Lil Wayne used to have, they had the hair did like Lil Wayne had the, the band around their head and 
earrings and, and gold fronts and stuff like that. Um, also, I went to a concert, and I forgot. I was invited to that one by one of my good friends. Uh, I have to pray for him because he got into a lot of trouble. But, uh, yeah, he, he invited me uh, to get out of the house, you know what I'm saying, and uh, I went to the concert with him. And who was performing? It was, um, what's that guy uh, from Florida? Uh, Rick Ross. I've seen like six guys in there dressed like Rick Ross. One of them looked just like him. Looked looked just like him. And I couldn't do anything but laugh because all, all I could think about was when I was out there, and I was like, I, when I was into hip-hop and, and music, I did the same thing. I, this is like, I grew up, er, again, early 90s, uh, was my teenage years, and uh, I used to wear the, 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 the dicky pants, the chucks, <laughs> and the, the fl- uh, what you call it, the, uh, the plaid jackets, mm-hmm. like Snoop Dogg. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll dress like Snoop Dogg. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll dress like uh, LL Cool J. <laughs> so if I if I was going out on the town, uh, genuine was hot there. I would dress like genuine. <laughs> I had whole sideburns and everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, what I'm saying that's to show you how music can influence us so deeply that yeah, we start to imitate. We start to imitate or emulate the artists and making them part of our lives. Mm hmm. So, yeah, so what you observe, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's what you just said was well, uh, quite, quite, uh, I mean, it was, it was on point. It was on point. Yeah, I, I've been, I, I was, uh, I think it was. A while ago, um, a while ago, uh, I, I was. Uh, it was one summer where I, my, me and a friend of mine from high school, had gone to the Greek picnic. That was when the Greek picnics were kind of popular back then, mm-hmm. and like 1991, 92, and he and I walked from, I guess because he lived in East Falls, in the East Falls section of Philadelphia. So we walked from his place all the way down to Girard Avenue. And during this time, all of the so-called Caribbean R&B stars were popular, like um, Super Cat and um, what's the other guy's name? Shaba Ranks. Oh, yeah, I I remember those guys too, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then... The other, it was a woman that was, oh my God, what was her name? She was real perverted. I can't remember her name. <laughs> I, I can only Patra, imagine. Patra, that's her name. Pat, Patra was her name. Yeah, they, they were yeah. all popular. Yep. Right. And so we both walked down, all the way down to Girard Avenue, and on the way there, we were just walking. We didn't even know where we were going and why we were going that way, but we were just walking, laughing and joking and and all that because he was a silly guy. But on the way there, we happened to see a couple of guys. I saw this one girl dressed just like Patra. She looked just like her. Mm-hmm. 
just like her, but she was she was sitting on a motorcycle. One guy was talking. I guess it's a couple of guys talking to her, and she was sitting on a motorcycle, and she was in a bikini. She was no clothes on, just a bikini, and she looked. Just, she turned around and she looked just like her, just like Patra. And I just shook my head and I said to myself, you mean to tell me, this was before I got saved, but I had some idea of who God was and, and some uh, semblance of sense. And I said to myself, okay, well, you're, you mean to tell me, I, 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 understand, I get it that it's 90 degrees out here and the humidity is, makes it feel like it's 300 degrees. I get it. But you're going to walk around looking like that and then sit back and wonder why guys disrespect you. They look at you like you're a piece of meat. But this is what the music industry, and this is why I focus on the spiritual aspect of what we're listening, what what people listen to now, because it's affecting them. It's affecting how they live, how they think, what they believe, and why they believe it. And because the rappers... Not only are they in the movies, they're they're in other forms of entertainment like media. They're they're talking on talk shows now. They're being invited to different. Uh, but you know uh, the crazy thing. CNN. I don't mean, to, I, don't, uh-huh. I, don't mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but the crazy thing about it is that in their like watch the rap songs and all these other songs too, like uh, different genres of music for the most part. Uh, and their songs, like their songs, are full of perversion, yeah. uh, uh alcohol, drugs, sex, and all of that. But then when you see them talking on a talk show, you know, oh, we got to help the poor, stand up for this, stand up for that. I believe in God. I'm a Christian. All this other yep. stuff. And I, it's cra- it's crazy. You know, it's, it's crazy. So it's like. You, what type of message you saying that you're saying that you're Christian, but what type of message are you sending to the people who's listening to your music when you say you're a Christian, but then you telling them to go out and have sex with any and everybody that walks by? Or, yeah, that's exactly right. You talk, that's, that's, you talk about getting you getting high off Molly. Like I still don't know what a Molly is, but. Yeah, I, I hear that nowadays. Or, you know what I'm saying, um, you're you're encouraging the very thing that destroys people. But then when you're on a talk show or on a radio show, you're you're actually talking the opposite of what you're rapping about. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, saying like I and I, I now I told you that I got saved when I was sixteen, and so my 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 walk in Christ has been a gradual walk, and I'm I'm still growing in Christ. You know, we we will continue to grow in Christ uh, up until the day He calls us home. And as I got older, you know, what I'm saying I all like. Okay, when I hit when I hit eighteen, that's when I really thought that oh yeah, I'm eighteen, I can vote now. You know what I'm saying? I got a little more wisdom with myself, and so some of the songs that I used to listen to didn't quite appeal to me. You know what I'm saying? Like they used to. You know what I'm saying? I was still in and out, in and out. But even when I got back in, each time 
each time I went back into the world, it just seemed, it's like, it was like, ugh, I don't like it no more. And I'll fall, I'll backslide, and then I'll go back, and then I'll go back. I'm like, man, why am I here again? And uh, I remember one time I was I was at a club, and I'm saying to myself, yo, this joint is so overrated. Like, I don't understand, like, why people come to the clubs anymore. Like, I don't, especially at the age that I was, like, 21, 22, and I'm saying to myself, it's just, I don't know, it's just, I'd rather go somewhere and sit down and chat with the homies, uh, shoot some pool or whatever. And I'm saying this at 21, 22 years old. So I think about that scripture where Paul says, when I was a child, I did childish things, but when I became a man, I put those childish things away. And uh, thinking about thinking about the music part of this, uh, and this is another frustration for me, and, you know, so maybe you or even Darren, you know what I'm saying, can put, uh, uh, give a word or two on this. Mm-hmm. When, when a person comes out of the world, you know what I'm saying, they still are affected by the elements of the world around them, sight, smell, sound, all of that, right? Right. Now, like, and we've all talked about... hide in a hole somewhere. Right, right. And we've all talked before, and I told y'all that, like, when I go work out, I can't listen to no, uh, I can't listen to, like, what's his name, uh, Give me uh, what's that? Goblin Thugs? No, no. What's that? Uh, what's his name? Uh, the little short black dude in the gospel industry. Uh, oh, uh, not uh, common, but um, Lecrae? No, not Lecrae. He he sung that song "Stump." Oh, uh, Kirk Franklin. Kirk Franklin, right? Right. Now, some songs are upbeat, some songs are not. Some of them are very emotional. So how am I to lift weights to a song that's very emotional versus a song that's upbeat? So then you fall in, so then you find a category of music like gospel rap. Or now mm-hmm. you have what is called gospel hip hop. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your aspects about gospel hip hop, Christian rap, and uh, what's what's your aspects on it? Oh, uh, I'm glad you asked me that because we, I'm gonna just gonna go right on. Because the only to, reason oh. I'm asking is because you know what I'm saying I know there might be some Christians listening who, you know what I'm saying they don't want they don't want to listen to. Uh, uh, Little Wayne anymore and all this other yeah. stuff. That, you know, throughout your work day, you want to listen to some music and all this other stuff. But you leave the secular realm of music and go into the Christian realm of music, but something happens because it's like all of a sudden now you can't tell the difference between the two. And I'm going to get into that. Um okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get into that right now. It, that's the no-name principality, Nemo. That's the uh, no-name principality. Uh, see, Satan does his best work in the middle of the road when everything is nebulous 
And, you know, like, for instance, if you listen to people like Mary Mary and Kirk Franklin. Now, Kirk Franklin started off okay, you know. He started off with the song, um, <clears throat> That's the Reason Why I Sing. I guess that's the name of the, the song. I, I'm not really all that big on music, so I can't really name a title. I, I just have to name the name of the song. But um, he was okay when he came out with that because that was Christ-centered. You knew right. what Kirk Franklin was singing about. And it wasn't until he got popular, like, say, for instance, around 1998, 99, going into the early portion of the 2000s, that's when he started getting radical and started getting liberal, and he came out with the song Stomp. No, this was earlier than that. This came out in 96, 95, 96, because I remember I was young, I was around 19 when when, when that came out. And I said... You know, I was I was in a church, charismatic church, but I was in a church nonetheless. And they were playing it on the radio when we were coming home from a some type of meeting. And the young people there was, was they they were singing it. And I sat there and I said to myself, "This song sounds familiar. This song sounds like Parliament Funkadelic." I was listening to the beat. I was lis- I wasn't listening to the song or the words that were being sung. I was listening to the beat, and I said to myself, "This sounds just like Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton." Ooh, and that's exactly what it sounded like—literally, like the the song "I Smile" by Kirk Franklin. That's straight uh-huh. out of Scarface. Tupac. What? What? Okay, this hold on. up on YouTube. Okay. All right. So now going back. I'm, I'm going to let you get back to what you were saying. Now, going back mm-hmm. to how, you know what I'm saying, the ear processes uh, sound and it causes that stimulation. We're just talking about music. We ain't even talking about the words, but the right. music itself. Uh, and it releases those that, that dopamine, which is, you know, which can be addictive. Now, when you said that, when you said that the song stomp, now, this song mm-hmm. is supposed to be, you know, a Christian song, and it's supposed to be, you know, us stomping on the devil and all this other stuff. Although, mm-hmm. you know, I will, I'm, I'm not going to go into that, but mm-hmm. uh, the music that was used to make this song, you said it came from George Clinton and the Funkadelics? Yep. Okay. Now that rings. That's a red. That's you know. That's a. That sets alarms off in my head, and here's why. Because even as far back as the Parliament and Funkadelics, we know that there was a spiritual and religious aspect behind their music, which was chemitism or ufology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maurice uh, White was a. Um, he was a. Um, Egyptologist. So a uh, so-called Egyptologist. Yeah. But but at the same time, I'm going to check this out. You have a guy who came out of the Funkadelics, or he used to sing with them, Malachi Z. York, mm-hmm. who was the founder of, if I'm not mistaken, the Nuwabian or, or Nuwapian religion that teaches all black men all, yeah, all black people are gods. The black man 
he's God, the woman is the earth, and the children are the seeds that he plants into the earth. And we all we all come from the planet Ritz or Nibiru, and uh, we used to be serpents. Mm-hmm. Now, this group created a song, a melody, a beat, to highlight their religion, is it safe to take that same music and move the words away and replace it with Christian words? No. Because it's the spirit is still there. The spirit is still in the beat. It's still in the the, the song. It's not, you know, we, we can't just change, use, it's like using an old rag Clean, uh, clean. Uh, it's like using an old rag and then using it uh, like a rag that you just use or a cloth that you just use to clean the toilet, and then you use that same cloth to clean your car with. It, it, you know, you, you can't so, do that. So you mean to tell me that I can't take I can't take R. Kelly's song that uh, uh, what's the song? Bumping grind. I can't. I can't turn bumping grind into a gospel song. No, because the spirit of <laughs> lust is still in there. That, that that demon is still in that that song, that music, and it doesn't make sense for us to use the same song that was used by R. Kelly, who was probably high or or you know or whatever the case may be, taken and, and use it for God's glory. Okay, so uh, I uh, I see somebody else from Maryland. Is that uh, is that Jamel? Yeah, he must have muted his phone. I know Darian. Well, actually, they would be that would be East Maryland, but this is West Maryland. Somebody from West Maryland. Uh, uh, West I am on Maryland. the I'm on the line from West Maryland. Oh, okay. How you doing? Who who's speaking, please? Uh, this is Ann. How you doing, Miss Ann? This is Ann Wells? Yes. Okay. Hey, welcome oh. to the show. Welcome to the show, Miss Ann. I, I didn't know. I thought Ma- West Maryland was a friend of ours. Yeah. Um. If if please, uh, give your um perspective on this. Um, I've been listening um, to what's saying, and I just would like to offer a different perspective um, because I do know that, um, from my understanding, from what was discussed, is you're saying about people that understand gospel, and I and I, I guess, will be on somewhat on the other side in saying, then how are you going to draw the people? Um, and one song in particular was C.C. and B.B. Winans, and they wrote Addicted to Love. And even the yeah, title of the song. Yeah, came out in 1989. Mm-hmm. Correct. And the title of the song was really confusing, and I wasn't saved then. But I kept It was very confusing. This. It was. And I, at first, <laughs> I thought it was an R&B. But I'm telling uh-huh. you, and I always use this story, something in my spirit said, mm, he's not talking about that type of love. And I will you know say that, that, that God used that song to get my attention, for real. And, and, and I'm glad okay. you brought that up because 
I, I remember that song when it came out. It came out in 1989. I, I was, what, 14? And um, <clears throat> I listened to it, and I said to myself, this could be an R&B song because it had nothing to do with Jesus Christ at all. I did not hear Jesus Christ's name mentioned once. And these are supposed to be very popular Christian artists. Church pe- pe- pastors were playing this song in their house. They were, you know, and, and I'm saying to myself, not one time was Jesus Christ mentioned at all. All you heard was love, love, love. And I'm saying to myself, how nebulous can this be? Now, when you hear the song, it's on a secular radio station. But what's when I was so at wrong work, with that, though? That's why I guess I'm saying what... If I don't know, and that song drew me in, and now I'm a Christian where before I wasn't, how are people, I guess my question remains, if I'm a sinner, as I was, I'm not turning to a gospel station. I don't know anything about a gospel station. Mm-hmm. So the song has to be somewhere. They, I, I'm thankful that they were playing it on a secular station for me to even hear it for me to even be drawn. And that's where I just caution all of us as believers is how are we going to get those that are in darkness because they're not going to come inside the church. They're not going to automatically turn to a gospel station. And so somehow the message has to at least enough to draw them, even in their confusion, then to begin to teach. But if we can't even draw them in, and we keep saying, mm, you shouldn't listen to this song. Or I could even say Kirk Whalum, who does some jazz gospel. So no words are used at all. So is it the anointing on the music? Well, can well, I, I was, um, can I, I'm sorry, this is Darian. I'm also from Maryland, so how you doing, Miss Rose? Is it okay if I speak on this for a second, please? Oh, why, oh okay. Why, you, you don't have to ask. This is freestyle, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> If you hear noises because um my my kids kids in the room, the two little ones is up, so it's hard for me to <clears throat> mix and match a little bit. But so I agree with Miss Rose. Let me explain why. Because there's a few things I wanna mention, but as Miss Rose said, there are a lot of people that God has pricked their heart with specific lyrics from songs. And people will hear certain words and it'll get them we uh, it'll lead them towards all right. The Lord is press impressing on their heart because the Lord can use, as we know, anything to do to to draw people in. Now, let me explain something. Uh, I, I'm not sure if everyone knows that knows this. Here's the funny thing. Typically, when people deal with the occult, they use things that have uh, to speak with a double meaning, so we can hear. God is love, and to us, at least, we think about it in a different way than them. For example, there's this 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 double speak, and a lot of people, the term wordsmith comes to mind. Like we could say certain things to us, it means nothing, but to somebody who's initiated within a specific practice, will understand it a certain way. That's how come. There are songs on the radio that to us, let's use Kirk Franklin. Kirk Franklin may have meant something different than what we heard, but 
God will use what the enemy will use for uh, deception and darkness and use it to draw people to his kingdom because at the end of the day, God is in control of all things. I, I can't say, and, and I, I, I agree with David and the GT as well because I do know simply because there was a, a season in my life where I dealt with some of this type of information. But what Ms. Rose is saying exactly is true. There are songs that I've heard on, like, hip-hop stations that were were better than a gospel song. And I'm like, whoa, I need to go in the house. And that, that triggers something in my spirit. That let, me, let me go pull my Bible open real quick. And I was just literally having this conversation with my wife tonight. I was like, doesn't this sound like a, a, a gospel song? But it wasn't. It was a regular rap song on the intro of somebody's CD. Get you loud, please. And so what I'm saying is uh, what happens is although there are people speaking with a different intent, they don't have control of somebody's spirit to the point where we – can you stop yelling, please? Can you stop yelling, please? I'm sorry, y'all. And so <laughs> what happens is I got a two-year-old, and she, she hyped up. I don't know what's going on with her. And my eight-month-old is following her around. But what I was saying was there is the opportunity for God to use any situation to draw his people because if, he was, if you were designed to come to Christ at that time, God will use whatever is there to get you where you need to go. To be honest, I've heard cases and there's been in situations where I was watching an action movie or somebody I know was watching a movie and something in the movie pointed something else out in their life that triggered a certain chain of events for them. And they came to church on Sunday. But, man, I was watching this movie, X, Y, Z. That, I mean, if you talk to a lot of people about their testimonies, people uh, will, will be in the midst of anything. So, I wanted to say that, that I definitely agree with Miss Rose. If God used <laughs> that song to draw her in, to God be the glory. Me and my best friend, uh, a friend, y'all know him, um, my boy Brandon, I was yeah. still smoking weed real heavy and studying the Bible. I don't smoke anymore, but people say, oh, you can't hear God smoking weed. I'm like, okay, but I'm studying, I'm reading, and I'm learning about what I believe and why I believe even in the midst of smoking and praying in the Lord, like gradually taking things out of my life and changing things around. But if you talk to somebody else who is more staunch, oh, you can't smoke weed in here from God. Yeah, all right. I'm a born-again believer that believes the gospel, and the Lord gradually removed things from my life to the point where I don't even smoke. I haven't smoked in maybe five or six years. And at that time, we were smoking every day. Nine and ten blunts a day, and I'm saying that to say that a lot of times people are close-minded to the putting. You can't put God in a box. I'm gonna just leave it like that. I wanted to say that. I just gotta say that because, like, like Miss Rose said, there there are going to be people who are listening where we from. There's 92.3. We call it 92Q. There will be people who will listen to 92Q, and they'll hear one of them lukewarm songs. And one of them lukewarm songs will work for them. They're songs that have no real gospel message in it, but for them, they weepy and crying and they heartbroken and just something that, just the two lyrics of love, 
for I Love God. There's a, I don't necessarily like the song I Love God, but for somebody that's 17, 18, who's in that vein, who came from listening to a certain type of music, that I Love God is just enough for them to be triggered by the Spirit of God to draw them in. So I'm not going to say that the artist, that was the artist's intent, because I don't really know the artist's intent, generally speaking. However, I do know that there is the opposite side, like Dan Knight. You do have people who make songs that sound like they mean one thing, but the whole time they mean something else completely. So I just wanted to get that out. The other point I wanted to make is, GT, you mentioned Molly. Molly is just another uh, variety of MD, MD, well, ecstasy. Ecstasy has another name. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's the thing about ecstasy is, and ecstasy is not one, it's not one pure thing like you can say cocaine. It's a series of different products of different levels. So you can get something that's a hundred percent whatever the methylcycline. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I may work with the pharmacy, but I'm, I, I'm IT. I just fix their programs and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's ecstasy. oh, it's methylcycline. Yeah, so I was right. Methylcycline. <laughs> that's what ecstasy really is. And Molly is the same thing, but some of it has varying forms. Like you may have 100%, and some people will take 50% and then mix it with something else. And if you know what, well, look at. Well, the stuff that they sell in the street is not, it's, it's not in its pure form. Otherwise, everybody would be dead. Exactly. Um, but the stuff that you see in the street is 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 been diluted it's been denatured so it, they get high off of it but it's not going to kill them it's not going to like give them that really you know it's it's going to make them high though it's going to make them you know experience all kinds of things just like LSD LSD in the street is not sold in its purest form like cocaine you know the reason why Lynn Bias died is because somebody spiked his drink with pure cocaine and it stopped his heart, killed him. That's a good point. And so I, I was mentioning going back to that because I think that's pertinent for the topic. Molly, do you know what Molly actually does to the mind? It's it's not a not a really good drug to be taken. People no. like it because of the 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 feeling you get beyond being high, where it draws you to other people. They do it for like a. a social type of thing when you go to clubs and everybody all touchy-feely. Back when I was in the streets, I knew people, I knew men that popped Molly. They just called it e-pills back then. You just Mm -hmm. popped, you just popped ecstasy. And they were too touchy-feely on each other for me, for me to ever try something like that. Now, I only smoked weed. I was, I'm, I was one of those old school guys. I ain't even that old talking old school, but you know what I mean. I, I was a one- one drug guy smoked my Mary Jane, and that's it. I ain't even really like alcohol. But my point I'm making is, these were two guys that I, that thought they was like tough thugs or whatever the case may be, and they would be all huggy and groping themselves like, ah, I need love type of thing. I'm like, bro, uh, any drug that purposely makes you gay or makes you <laughs> questionable, and you look, you thinking you tough and you droopy and mm. like zombieish. I yeah. could never, I could never, it's not cool to me. And then 
keep in mind, I do, I, I, I dibble and dabble with the music. Back then, you would say, yo, let's go to the studio. I had a studio at my crib. I actually have one now, but at that time, I was selling drugs and uh, things of that nature. And I had a guy come. He was high up, e-pills, alcohol, and we he, he said, I got to pop this, pop this, get myself together to come prepared to the studio. Man, if you'd have listened to him rapping, he was uh, literally, and he thought he was rocking. Like, he thought he was the best thing since, like, I'm like, pause, bro. You got to come back sober, man. Because he was, like, literally, I have a, a, a I'm holding my eight-month-old. Eight Her speech was clearer than his. He thought he was rapping. He was literally just standing there drooling, bobbing his head off beat. I was like, bro, pause. Don't waste yeah. my time. Yeah, it sounds like, like, sound like mentally he was in a whole completely different place. Absolutely. Now, and my last point, I, I mean, I don't want to take the show over. I just wanted to make a few points. And the last oh. thing that you have to understand, the reason why the media is important, and you say that people, you said something about people dressing like Lil Wayne and Cash Money was actually Juvenile, Turk, Wayne, and BG. I used to listen to them, too. So, the Hot Boys, Cash Money Records, Birdman, and yeah. Slim. Yeah, None Birdman. The important point I'm trying to make is media drives culture. That's why you see rappers and sports stars on, on stuff seemingly that has nothing to do with their genre of music. You mean to tell me that Floyd Mayweather can tell me about po- politics? That man can't even read. Or he sure can't. Why do we have these people who have nothing to do with, like, the, it's, it's hypocrisy at, at its best. Stop the violence. Bro, you're, 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 you're rapping trap music. Quote on, you can't tell me why I shouldn't vote for Trump. Your whole, entire, your whole entire genre of music is based on drugs, murder, and sex. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was saying. And yeah. I, I, wanted to, I, I wanted to get into the last portion, uh, well, the second principality, which is Bacchus, but let me uh, address something first. Um, let, let, let me address something first. I, I think that the, the, the thing is that God will, and I agree to, to an extent, God will use certain things to get a person to see his need for a savior. But right. most of the time, he will do that in spite of the music as opposed to because of it, because God is, not, is nowhere in it, first of all. He's nowhere in it. And that's why I always mention, that's why I mentioned the no-name principality. That's George Harrison. I'm pretty sure you've heard of My Sweet Lord, which came out in 1970. Amy Grant, 1986, uh, she came out with a song called uh, Make a Way, uh, she was a Christian singer at one time, and then she branched off, crossed over in 1986, and um, I think she was with Vince Gill, or, or what's his name, Chapman, whatever his name was, and uh, she crossed over to secular music, and she became more popular. The only reason why she crossed over to secular music was because she sold her soul, and Michael W. Smith, who's another Christian artist, who sings Secret Ambition, 1988, and Mary Mary, the God in me. Now, I'm pretty sure people have gotten saved because of these particular songs, but they've gotten saved um, because of, you know, not 
because of the songs, but in spite of them. And, you know, we, we see the Spirit of God. It's not in, because a lot of your secular, uh, you know, your your big-time exec, uh, music executives, they are controlling the CCM industry, mm-hmm. like Sony, like uh, I can't remember all the others, but they're controlling the, the music the, that these um, Christian artists are putting out there, like Kirk Franklin. Kirk Frank, Sony is in control of Christian music now. The C, the whole CCM sphere, the Sony is in charge of that. And who owns oh, Sony? Of the mainstream, correct. Yeah. Correct. When they right. get in the mainstream media and all that, they they are in that's their arena now. So you're now in their hands. So uh, I just wanted to get that out there on the on the table. But the second, uh, so go ahead. I wanted, I wanted to respond too, but go ahead. Okay, I, I'll, uh, I'll uh, let you respond in a second. But um, number two is the uh, second uh, principality, and that's Bacchus, which is the principality of drugs, addiction, and Black Sabbath, 1972, Sweet Leaf. Now, I'm pretty sure none of you listen to that kind of stuff, and I don't either. That's heavy metal, but uh, I'm pretty sure you've listened to a lot of raps, um, uh, songs that had everything to do with uh, drugs and alcohol, like uh, Wiz Khalifa sings about drugs and smoking weed. Um, Method Man talks about, as a matter of fact, they even tell you that in order for them to do a song, they have to smoke weed. They have to smoke weed. They have to do cocaine. or what I doubt if they do cocaine or anything that heavy, but they have to do Weed, because weed or marijuana or cannabis is a mild hallucinogen. So we read about this in the book of Galatians. I think it's Galatians 5 where uh, Paul talks about the uh, fruits of the flesh is manifest. And he talk, he, he uh, names, he labels them. He names them, he lists them, I should say. And one among them is sorcery, which is the Greek word pharmakeia, which we get the, our word or our English word pharmacy, drugs. Mm-hmm. And by these musicians using drugs, it they, it causes this, these spirit guides that are using them to enter them, and they're able to produce music. They're able to write uh, lyrics that. They didn't even. They'll tell you in an interview that they don't even know where these songs come from, but they'll tell you, "Well, yeah, I smoked a couple of blunts, and man, I kicked out this this mad this this huge song, man, and and man, I I, I don't know where that came from, dude. I'm like, yeah, man, that was some that was hot. So, <laughs> uh, you know, this is what they're telling us, and we buy into it because, well. They're popular. They're making millions of dollars. Well, they're not making millions of dollars. That's another lie that's perpetrated by the music industry. A lot of these rappers are making all this money when, in fact, they're not. You know, how many rappers have you know? Did you know of that went flat broke within a few years of getting popular? It's the, the executives that make all the money. Now, if you're really popular. I mean, really popular. Then maybe you'll get a piece of the pie and you'll make a million dollars if you if you sell maybe two million platinum albums that that whole month, and you get a piece of the pie and you walk away with two, three, four, five million dollars in your pocket. But for the most part, 
the artists are not making as much money. But anyway, that's off the topic. But uh, this is what we call spirit guides. Um, and Bacchus is the god uh, or is, is the um, spirit of addiction. And um, you hear songs by Ice-T about getting high, getting, you know, getting drunk. Uh, you know, you know, I was I get high, high, high every day, and, and it's like, okay, really, dude, you, that's all you do is get high every day. I forget who sung that song, but um, that that was Styles P of the Locks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember and, that song too. Yeah, and and, and so uh, my my friend used to listen. A friend from childhood used to listen to that song, and, and I'm saying to myself. Okay, that's pretty depressing though. You you get that's all you do is get high, but see, it's a method to their madness. They're getting high because they have to produce music. And mm-hmm. they can't do it without those spirit guides uh possessing them. So, there's a point you wanted to make, GT. Well, I I actually wanted to respond to uh all of y'all uh who oh. spoke um, you know, like in regards to um what you were just saying. Well, like right here I got I got my notes written down as y'all was talking and thinking about number one, the cries of the children. Cries of the children relating to human sacrifices when the children of Israel and the ancient civilizations were uh uh handing their children over to the high priests to have them burned uh, in the belly of Molech. The priests or the, the the people would have drums, loud drums going back and forth, boom, 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 all in sync, all in sync. And usually that was used, well, actually that was used to drown out the, the, the cries of the children, but at the same time, the music, the music, had an effect on the people doing it because they weren't just listening to the drums, but they will also be chanting, and they will all have, uh, uh, they will all be in sync. Like for instance, like I'm in the military, and you can take the most clumsiest person in the military, throw them in a formation and have them to do drill and ceremony. Drill and ceremonies is when you do your 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 file marching, your your rank marching, and, you know, it goes left, 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 right, left, 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 right. You call that out repeatedly, repeatedly, you can get that clumsiest soldier to get in step. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I see what's happening with that uh, in in that instance, but uh, you brought up you brought up pharmacia, drugs. The drugs, like if we look at it today, like people who are under the influence of drugs, and especially uh, well, if you're under the influence of any drug, like you could be under the influence of a painkiller. You know what I'm saying? And your senses, your senses are open. And looking at, and I'm looking at a combination of things, the hallucinants and the music. 
Now Darian was saying that his friend, he was he was he was gone off. I think he said Molly, right? Well, if he was standing there singing or thinking he thinking he was in his mind, he he was really doing that. To him, it was it was real, and I've seen it go as so far as to where you have doctors who have put people into um, uh, uh, who hypnotize people that they imagine there's a cat there and the cat scratches them. Although there's no cat there, but there's a physical manifestation of scratch marks on a person's face. And when I'm thinking about music, I'm thinking uh, the music itself, as I said earlier, causes the brain to release this dopamine. And on top of that, when you have the words behind it, further pushing the person into that that other reality. Uh, Mary Mary, uh, you brought Mary Mary up, the God in me. Mm-hmm. So, okay, now I know... And this is and this is uh where this is where I started thinking about where there were there were people in the church who contested against this type of music uh because they felt like it was too worldly. And mm-hmm. now I knew Mary Mary and they got some beautiful songs out there. Yeah. Um but I was pumping gas at the gas station one day and I heard this song. It's a God in me. Oh. It's the God in me. And I'm thinking to myself, I say, yo, did the Kenneth folk just come out with a song or something? <laughs> why? But the thing is, why did I ask myself that question? Because I'm familiar with Kenneth folk's theology. They mm-hmm. say that they are gods. They yep, say the that they are God. gods. Right. Mm-hmm. So here you have Mary Mary. Now, I, I don't know their intent. But it's like, okay, with all this secular idea floating around about we being little gods and God being the big God and the new age philosophy, I'm saying to myself, man, I don't know about this song right here. You know what I'm saying? Because what are we hearing when we say it's the God in me? Now, a babe in Christ will hear this song. I can't tell you what they will get from it, but the song sounds encouraging, right? Yeah, you know, but she came up. Yeah, you know, go ahead. Yeah, but but late. But as the song stays with that person, what about the idea that comes with it? The God and me. How are they looking at it? So. This is now. This is why I think songs like this, uh, it's encouraging. It's upbeat. Is you know, it has a happy, uh, a happy uh, feel behind it. But when you have people like Oprah Winfrey, T.D. Jakes, and all these other uh, televangelists, what's his name? Uh, the real happy dude, um, Joel, Joel Osteen. Right. They say they use the same terminology. You know what I'm saying? We're gods. I've heard another uh, televangelist say the same thing. We are gods. 
we don't need Jesus Christ or the blood, the blood, the blood. You know what I'm saying? That guy that died in the airplane, I forgot his name, in a uh, plane crash. Uh, yeah, Miles Monroe. Right, him. You know what I'm saying? They taught this type of philosophy that we're we're little gods. Or they, and then on top of that, you have the word of faith, uh, the word of faith movement. So now it's, it's not just that it's the God in you, but now the God in you can speak things into existence, thus making you God. And you know what? I'm bra- I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because. Well, I, hold on, let, 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 oh. hold, stop, try to hold that because I want to cover everything that I that I was listening to. So okay, yeah. So there's another issue. See. You got gospel singers who go who have who have gone over into the secular realm. Now you got your boy Lecrae. Lecrae, I'm gonna tell you, man. Now I had I had that issue. I was like, I'm trying to get away from hip hop. I'm trying to get away from secular music, but this soft uh, Kurt Franklin music ain't doing it for me. And then I heard Lecrae, and then I heard Gang. Gangsta Disciples, and then I heard a couple of other uh, uh, people, and these songs went hard. They go, they go hard. You know what I'm saying? And now that I can, I can use, I can use that in the gym. But see, I'm, I'm sort of kind of like a seasoned saint. You know what I'm saying? Like I can, I can go to somebody's house for Christmas and not feel convicted. Because, you know what I'm saying, I don't celebrate Christmas, but I'm not going to sit here and make a big deal about it. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not convicted by it. You know what I'm saying, I'm not going to kill fellowship because somebody got a Christmas tree in their house. You know what I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But when you have babes in Christ, and, you know, I always worry about the babes in Christ because they, they're still sensitive to the world. You know what I'm saying? They're still sensitive to the world. And if it's hard for them to blur the lines between that which is holy and that which is not, we are we do more harm than we do good when when God does draw those people. And that's the way that's the way I'm looking at it. And then like the media, uh Darian brought up the media. Yeah, the media is definitely a tool that Satan uses and it promotes certain types of culture, and that's why we walked around seeing people dressed like these celebrities. Um, again, what are they promoting? They're promoting the use of drugs, sex, alcohol, and when you have this combination of drugs, sex, and alcohol in, combina- in the combination or collaborating with the music, it's a double whammy on the, on the human psyche. So when you have, for instance, somebody using a secular song who just who just came out uh, out of the world, they're bathed in Christ, and let's just say they had a problem with uh, fornication. You know what I'm saying? Here's a song, a gospel song, with the same beat as, let's just say, uh, Gerald Levert or uh, somebody a little more recent. Uh, what's his name? I can't think of none of these guys' names because I I don't even listen to to it like that no more. Um, give me somebody grown, somebody grown and sexy, <laughs> uh, in the in the R and B world. Um, Beyonce. 
Well, yeah, Beyonce, but somebody a little older than that. Uh, uh, I said Drill Avert. Uh, I can't think of nobody else, but it, it'll come. To, it'll come to me later. But you know what I'm saying? They just come out of the world and they hear this gospel song. It's a good gospel song, nice words and everything. But that beat, that beat is too. That beat is too familiar. You know what I'm saying? Like when you hear the song. When you hear the song, yeah, it's talking about Jesus Christ, but the beat of that song, you know what I'm saying? You were either laid on your back or you were laid up with somebody listening to another version of this song. So, again, it's like we're blurring the lines here, but it's like, is, is it safe or isn't it? And I I think that's all we're doing here. We just trying to put everything out on the table so that we can encourage any Christian and unbelievers at that uh, to find the best the best way possible to avoid to avoid getting caught up in this you know what I'm saying the snares of, of the world and the snares of the devil again. And I, we know that but we, uh, I don't want to mess you up. Uh, yeah, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. All right, now, when it comes to individual faith, uh, because uh, Miss Wells, she brought up about how a person can be drawn, and that's true. I 100% agree with that. Uh, like, for instance, i give you a good example. DMX, a lot of times in, in almost every record he created, at, right at the end he either did a prayer or he did a song dedicated to God. Never mind the fact that, you know what I'm saying, I'm in the back of this car and I'm I'm man, I'm going at it. Like I'm I'm rocking with DMX. He talking about killing people's kids, raping somebody's daughter in front of them, uh, and all this other stuff. And on top of that, I'm hiding a kite in the back of this car. And I'm felt like I like I was telling Dave earlier, like I'm I'm feeling like I'm DMX for real and all this other stuff. But then, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, like while I'm by myself and I'm listening to the whole CD again, and at the end of the CD, you know, he's talking about his he's talking about his pain and his struggles and all this other stuff, and, you know, saying Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yeah, that made me, that made me want to get closer to God. Uh, that made, you know, that, that drew me closer to God then, so yeah, God can use uh, certain things to bring us to Him. But the thing is, it's like DMX very inconsistent. You know, a whole album talking about sex, money, and drugs, and at the end he's talking about God. Now, am I to emulate that? No. And this is where it comes to the individual, to the individual and their faith. I was drawn to it. I was drawn to God several ways, through different several avenues. So I can't never make a judgment on a per, uh, uh, an individual person's uh, uh, walk in faith. But what I can see is when we, when the church as a whole begins to compromise, we start to allow certain elements that are ungodly into the camp. And what happens it's just like the AIDS virus. 
some, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the AIDS virus replicates good viruses and starts to replicate. It, it, it mimics good, uh, the, the good cells in your body, and then your T cells become confused as to which cells they're supposed to attack. And I think this is what happens when the church allows uh, allows the secular the the, the secular aspects of music and, and, and other things into the church because now it's like we can't blur the lines between that which is holy and that which is not. If we're going to let the individual decide for themselves, let's do that, but not, let's not bring it into the church because we're trying to get more people to come to the church. No, God says, uh, Jesus said that, you know what I'm saying? He's a good shepherd, and his sheep will hear his voice. And a man cannot come to him unless he is drawn. Now, if I'm in church, this is supposed to be a body of believers, and we're supposed to have this thing separated, the world, God, separated. Don't let that which is in the world come into the church. What good does, uh, how does darkness and lightness have any common fellowship? You see what I'm saying? And... This is how we. This is how the church ended up with Easter. This is how the church ended up with Christmas because the Catholic Church wanted to draw people into Christ, but they said, "Hey, you can bring in all your rituals and stuff like that, and you don't have to give those things up." So people were under the the, the false precept that, "Oh, I can, uh, I can bring in my occult practices and mix it in with this Christian faith." And in a lot of a lot of ways, from what I've seen and what I've experienced, I've seen a lot of young people who've come to Christ who can't tell, who just can't tell the difference because uh, they they are being bombarded with both sides, secular realm and the uh, the, uh, the the realm uh, the, the spiritual realm, um, and that's pretty much. That's pretty much my my take on it. Like, yeah, God can draw people of the world using secular music and gospel music and stuff like that. But we can't we can't compromise as far as like, uh, in other words, the world is supposed to emulate us, the church. We're not supposed to emulate the world. Well. I, you know, I, it was funny, though, that you were talking about the song The God in Me by Mary Mary, and you correlated that with the Word of Faith movement and a lot of these Word of Faith teachers. Now, when I heard it, I thought that he, I pretty much thought the same thing because I was somewhat familiar with the whole black man is God theology. And since the black man calls himself, well, the 5% nation says that the black man is God, or at least only 5% of the African-American community believes that they're God, and the 85% are ignorant of the fact. And when I heard the song, I said, well, that makes sense because the black man already thinks he's God. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got Christians listening to it. I'm talking about people, uh, people of, uh, Christians of the charismatic persuasion. They're listening to this song, and they're buying into it because they're – being taught the whole little God theology. They're being right. taught that, yeah, you know, you have the God in you, and 
your faith is going to unleash the anointing, and that anointing that's being unleashed from your lips is going to change your reality. All you've got to do is speak that thing, just change, you know, just speak positive thoughts. And, of course, that's unscriptural, but this is the same thing that Mary Mary was saying. Mary Mary saying that, you know, I got this car, I got money, I've got this, that, and the other, and it's not because of me, it's because of the God in me. So you're saying the God in you produced all of this. So you're saying you're God in essence. Right. And see, and my only thing is, like Jesus said, a little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. And we can't just, can't just try to, to make things sound cool because the youth, the youth, they ain't feeling Bible study anymore because, you know what I'm saying, there's not enough entertainment. And there's a saying, there's a saying that came up, you know, Sheep like to be fed. Goats like to be entertained. Yeah. And the thing is, we can't we can't do that. Like and by, like, and I think it it falls it falls on the shoulders of you know what I'm saying of us. You know what I'm saying. We have all been guilty of not properly doing what we're supposed to do as leaders in the community of Christians to make Bible study. Uh, uh, interesting, not entertaining, but interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to go to church and listen to the pastor talk about what kind of cars he got, paying tithes and offerings and listen to 500 stories about Elijah and the woman and the oil, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying, and uh, making the increase and all this other. Oh, this is your year. This is 2008, the year of change, and God is this is 2017, the year of 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 turning the year of turning water into wine and all this other stuff. Well, one of the things, know. though, I think is very interesting. And listening to the conversation, one of the things I wanted to say, I don't know if anyone has watched Angel Heart. Did anyone? It was an old movie. Did I've never have, heard of it. it. Sounds a little um, before my time. Well, Angel Heart, um, it was with, who was the person that played in Bill Cosby? Um, she married, well, who was that rocker, that guy? Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet. Kravitz. Lisa Bonet, was that her name? Lisa yeah, Bonet? Lisa Bonet. She was Denise. Right. Now, this movie, just a summary, I would really like you all to watch it so the next time if I'm in on a call, I'd like to get your opinion on it. But it, was, okay. it originated, um, and actually Cosby didn't want her to play it, to play the mm-hmm. role she played. Mm-hmm. But um, it was in Louisiana, and, you know, people were trying to make it in the music industry. Long mm-hmm. story short, they had, and I can't think of the gentleman's name right now. I see his face. I'm not really good with actors. But um, was it Robert De Niro? It seemed like it was him. But anyway, yeah, it was probably played, Robert De Niro. He played Satan. Oh, and, oh, yeah, I remember now. I saw it. That came out in 1990. What year was that? 1998, 99? No, no, no. It was 1996. Yeah, it was an older one, and I don't even watch it. I think I've watched it only one time because it disturbed my spirit. Mm. But it was like yeah. a person who sold his soul to the devil. I mean, he wanted to be very successful. You know, Satan said, I'll make you successful, but I have one thing 
I will have one thing that I will require of you if yeah. you ever make it big. And so many years later, it was like, you know, they, you know, he was a young guy. And then when you saw him, he was older, a decade or so later. And he goes to his hotel room and Satan's sitting in the chair. And I guess when he was peeling that egg, that, that was the scene. He was like, now I have something to require of you. And when the guy asked him, he was just like your soul. And the guy was crying and pleading. And he said, remember that promise that you made? He said, you have to pay it. And that has always really stuck with me because when you're talking about these entertainers, even when you're talking of Mary, Mary, I don't like the God in me. I just figure that she's gone way far away from where she came in to the industry. And so when you see some of them, they come in, even if you say um, Kirk Franklin, I know Kirk, Kirk Franklin, when he um, originally came into um, the music industry, you can go back to the word. He used to, a lot of his songs were built around the scripture. And yeah. really a lot of the artists, if it's not mentioning scripture, I don't listen to it. So I, I still have some of the real old stuff, Fred Hammond. You know, even Yolanda oh, Adams yeah. has kind of drifted away. Yeah, when she's the song that she sung, Imagine. Mm-hmm. And so I do agree that they they do. But the one thing I want to say, you know, with, with, with the church that I really struggle with, the church has gotten so close to the world yeah. that you can't really tell the difference. To mm-hmm. And I think that it then becomes even harder to even reach the youth when you see the pastor. And, I mean, and I think I read, um, what was it, Pimp in the Pulpit or something. And this may be an older book, too. Yeah, that sounds uh, all right. <laughs> when they look so close to that and then you look at some churches and it's predominantly women in there and it's yeah. whole, you know, there's something else that's going on. So where it used to be conviction and it used to be, yes, I can see that this is a Christian because their lifestyle is different. Yep. You don't really see the difference anymore. So it's weakened. Mm-hmm. It's weakened our, our, our testimony to a degree because right. there's all types of things going on in the church now, some being exposed, um, some not being exposed. But when the these mega churches, when the pastors are pulling in millions of dollars but your congregation is struggling, that's mm-hmm. a problem. That, you yeah, can't that's an issue. You can't support that in the word of God. And no. so, you know, then you're kind of looking, and so then how do you, and that's my, I guess that's my final question, then how do you? When you're talking about music and you're seeing the music and you're seeing the effect on it, and I agree with you with the pharmacia and, and, and pharmacy, and even when you listen to commercials now, and they're like, oh, take this pill to go to sleep, but you may have suicidal <laughs> thoughts. Yes, yeah, all of this litmus of, of you, you know, please don't take this. Uh, see a doctor if you're suffering from suicidal thoughts, thoughts of murder, thoughts of rape. <laughs> Uh, if you want to uh, fall off the, the ceiling or if you start climbing the ceiling like Spider-Man and start bleeding from the lips and, you know, all this nonsense and everybody's skipping through the tulips in the commercial, smiling and grinning and everybody's shaking each other's hand like, hey, how's you? you know, the sun is always shining and whatnot. So, Ann, so Ann what's your final question? <laughs> right, so the, my uh, final question, my final question, and with all of this, you know, we, we kind of touched upon it a little bit, but, you know, I could say that I'm very concerned because I'm, I'm you know, you could say, you know, the civil rights, we're talking about children, we're talking about poverty, you know, have we just lost 
and I'm not saying everyone because I use Christian. I'm I'm almost like believers because a lot of people we um, have people do confessions very soon without them even realizing what they're mm-hmm. confessing to and being Christians and joining the church and being on committees and doing work and everything like that. So where we are right now, where is the church? Where's the power of the church? Can I, can can I, I, can I answer that? That's my question. I guess that's Darian, my question. Well, I thought Darian was going, I heard him speak up. Go ahead, Darian. Oh. All right, so I like to say uh, I, that's a really good question, Ms. Rose. And I don't know, do you live in Baltimore by chance? I'm in D.C., right outside of D.C. Okay, oh, sorry. So you, you probably still know some of the similar names. I I wasn't going to mention names, but it's okay. Um, I live in Baltimore. I'm from Baltimore. I was born and raised here. I think, and a, a pastor friend of mine, uh, maybe when I'm 29 now, I was probably like 22 when he mentioned this book to me. And this was around the time that I was, you know, was getting myself together. I had gotten saved, but I was still the Lord was still unraveling some things in my life to get me, you know, away from certain things. But nonetheless, that Pimps in the Pulpit, Pimps in the Pulpit book, he had, like, the whole series, Pimps in the Pulpit, Snakes in the Pulpit, and it was another one there. And so when I when he gave me, I read the back of the book. I never read the book, but he read it, and he would give me little details about it. And as time progressed, I got more um, – immersed in ministry, and when I got immersed in ministry, um, my mother's first husband around the same time ended up becoming a pastor. Now, this is a guy who uh, was a collections agent. He had a firm, and he was always into making a lot of money, six-figure type of guy, and somehow, some way, he transitioned into becoming a pastor. And um, I've been around a lot of these guys, and when you say person, I laughed when you said person in the pulpit because I thought of him. And when he was coming up, one of the people he tried to pattern himself after was Jamal Bryant. I know you know who that is. And so um, there's another church called New Psalmist here. I cannot think of the pastor's name, but he's another big-name pastor within my city. And so there's like four or five of them. Southern Back, this is one of the churches, uh, New Psalmist, and then – I can't think of the other one. It's a really the, the top three or four churches in, in my city. And so one of the things that resonated with me is I'll, I'll say this. The first thing that I have learned, because nowadays in order to become a pastor, you just go to school or you start your church, you use your own finances, and you kind of govern it as you, and develop your own hierarchy. You build your own deacon, boy, whatever the case may be, it doesn't have to be biblical. It just has to be structured as an organization. One of the main issues, the reason why we have a lackluster presence in the world is because the, the, the people that consider themselves Christians are nominal. They don't know what they believe and why they believe it. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the members. I'm talking about the clergy, the people that are supposed to be the leadership, Mm-hmm. My, 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 uh, one of my parents, I can say, I mean, this is the person that raised me who claimed me from my conception. Even though he's not my biological father, this was the only father I knew, or whatever the case may be. So I know him personally. 
I saw his growth. There was none. His 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 testimony in terms of how he became a pastor was terrible. Like, wait a minute, you became a pastor like this? His his membership was terrible. He bought a really big building. He patted himself at the few people. There's a guy in Nassau, Bahamas, that he joined his confederation. If uh, you pay into it, they do conventions. People come to your church. You raise funds. You put money aside. It's it's a business. It's not about um, membership. I mean, it's not about salvation. Even exactly. though he he generally thinks that he's doing the will of God, he generally uh, deceived as to what the Bible as he says. He's it, you can be whatever you want, long as you come to his church and you pay your tithes. He don't even collect the money for himself. He generally puts the money in other places, but everyone there is either A, a relative, or B, some random straggler who, who really don't know the Bible, or and you just you just pray a little prayer, and then you're a part of the body. Nominal. When you don't know what you believe, what you believe and why you believe it, you develop a bunch of weak people who don't really understand anything, so they accept anything. Even though they have the Bible, they never read it by themselves. Most yeah. of them didn't even carry it to the church. And when you check them on things that are incorrect, they are easily uh, uh, offended. And they uh-huh. either A, leave and find another church, or you get excommunicated. In my case, and this is my, 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 my uh, uh, we'll use the term father. When when he said that he was joining, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but later I'll find it and post it or whatever, or give it to GT and he can refer you to it. Because you, I know you, I know if you haven't heard of this guy, you'll hear his name eventually. This is a a mega church pastor that's international that he joined up with, and I I basically told him that that, that we would be unequally yoked, and as a minister there, I didn't think that that was the right move to make. Well, you don't have to go here anymore. I was like, okay, put this in as my. Uh, my uh, informal resignation. Oh, you going you going to quit in the middle of a, of a meeting? I mean, you gave me no option. So I was excommunicated for standing on the word. So as a pastor, you should be sensitive to the spirit. But these people are people who traditionally are not saved or are compromised within the faith. And you have people you have people who claim to be shepherds who feed goats while the sheep. Uh, 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 male Norse in their church. Because some Christians will stay in a bad situation and keep praying and keep praying and hoping that their little bit of light will shine. And yeah, mm-hmm. that works. But at the same time, it doesn't work. At, sometimes God is like, this is not a church. You're going to six flags over Jesus type of thing. You need to remove yourself. So I would say that the first thing to remember is the reason why the church at large the the mainstream circuit is more so nominal and underdeveloped believers, which make up the general populace of what the world considers Christian. So as a byproduct of that, you have people who accept anything because they don't know what the word of God actually says. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman need not be ashamed of rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? so that you can shun profane and vain babbling, for it increases into more ungodliness. Also, the Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. I mentioned the second scripture because people become pastors for the wrong reasons. There are drug dealers in my city or our, our state who have became pastors because it's a good way to wash money. Another thing is people become pastors because they have an ego issue. I want to be in the front, and I'm good with speaking, so why not become a pastor where I can get paid as a job, mm. and then I could I can make a legacy. I can build my legacy by leading people. They may genuinely have good intentions, but they are not God's intentions. So there are people who are uh, people who like to give money and donate money, and you're a pastor, so you can, or you want to be political. So you use this as a platform. You're not using it the way God has desired the church to be. Preach the gospel, so, yes. Yeah, you have people who become pastors and clergy for all the wrong reasons, or the right reasons, but don't take the proper steps. Like, to be, to be a pastor, if you, if you want to be a pastor, it's insane to be a pastor because pastors, real pastors go through, according to the scriptures, go through the same type of treatment that Paul and Timothy and those people went through, they, you struggle with the past. It's not about fame and a claim to a legacy. It's about uh, uh, the gospel. Per, much persecution does come, um, things of that nature. And it's about humbling yourself and things of that nature. We all, I can sit here and quote scripture after scripture that would solidify my point. But Ms. Rose's question was what's going, basically what's going on. That is the number one reason. Number two, the Bible also says that there will be a falling away. There will be a deception. This must happen. And so the other thing to remember is that outside of the deception, Satan is not going, Satan doesn't just work in the world. Satan is going to do his best to break up the body of believers. If he can get people to think that they're good when they're really still in the shadow, I feel like I'm empowered, but I'm really not. I have uh, been driven by my emotions, which is called sensationalism. Oh, I'm charismatic where I'm doing all these magic tricks to get people to believe that I'm filled with the spirit. They can be deluded and deceived to cause them to continue to go the wrong way. After all, the Bible says the true believers know my voice. And Bingo. that those who are not believers will persecute those who are believers and mm-hmm. think that they're doing God a service. Amen. So this must happen. And the third point is, and I gotta go back to this. Let me. Uh, I want to get. And I'm done. I'll be quiet and I'll listen to the end of the show. Um, in reference to the music, because I have done music, I have produced music, I have been with celebrities, I have been around people who actually tried to get me to do rituals. So I know about this firsthand, not from a, a, a study. I've done music. I've been there. I've done, it, I've done the weed and been in the position where I've seen the book that you read from so that you can kind of do witchcraft because that's, that's what it is. Now, let me tell you, mainstream producers on the, the top tier don't just get high and make music. That's not how it works. I'm sorry, David. That's wrong. I don't know where you got it from. That's not how it works. This is how it works. And you can look this up, and I'm giving you names 
and fast. And I'll use Jay-Z because we all know Jay-Z. There's a producer. He's a Jewish guy. His name is Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin is a occult practicer, but he's a, he has groups under him that he has produced, like U2, and it's not just rap. What they, he is into which he's a sorcerer. He literally does black and white magic. He does magic before he gets into the studio. So when, let's say, Jay-Z shows up, Jay-Z's uh, acclaimed album is called Reasonable Doubt. It was produced, you know, it was funny because I was just, uh, I have, a lot of people respect that album as Jay-Z's claim to fame, but there's a, a song on that called Be Evil. Um, you did say one thing that was correct, and, and most of the stuff you said was correct, but I just want to hit you with this because a lot of people don't know. How the, how that how this is done is the producer himself. The, let me tell you what the producer, most people think that all producers make beats and then record you. How the studio works, professional grade, there is either A, an engineer, the engineer is the person that is charged with, when you rap into the microphone, everything that you do on your vocals, he controls the sounds, he controls the timing and the dynamics of it. Truth be told, without a really good engineer, most artists will sound terrible and it really wouldn't. Most people who rap sound amazing because they had a really good production team. The engineer is the one who does everything. So Rick Rubin is the producer who choreographs how he thinks you should sound. Jay-Z came with he, his lyrics or whatever the case may be. Oh, this is a hot little song. What if you put this in there? And there are two songs by the, two, the producer who made the beat. His name is DJ Premier. DJ Premier just made a basic beat that he thought was cool, Bells and Whistles Instruments. Now, listen clearly. This is the part where I think uh, it's being misconstrued. The producer just made a beat. It wasn't satanic enough. He just made a beat. He, didn't, he, went, he wanted to sell a beat. He's an artisan. I mean, you make something with your hands, and then you, you pass it off for money. It's a business. That's what his goal was. Jay-Z mm-hmm. went to him, and this is on record. Jay-Z went to him over the phone and says, yo, can you take – he also is a DJ, so he scratches records. Just remember the records thing later. What he does, and I'm saying this because this stuff happens in quote-unquote churches too. I'll get to that in a second. What he did was he took two songs. One was by Snoop Dogg. It was called Murder Was the Case That They Gave Me. And I can't think of the other song. I can't think of the other song right now. But the, but the song is like, Dear Lord, I wonder if you can save me. Something, something, murders the case that they gave me. You know, Snoop Dogg was actually going to jail for a murder case that that he, he ended up eventually beat it. But he made a song about it. And then there's another song, I can't think of it. The second verse says the Illuminati got my mind, soul, and my body. Something, something. I don't remember all the words to it, but they try to keep their eye on me. Well, he, oh. Jay, he told DJ Premier, who made the beat, to scratch those two records at specific points in the song to make create his hook. So Jay-Z's song, uh, The Evils, is... Is I'm trying to tell you what number of track it was. Jay Z's song, 
the evils was put at number six on that, and it's the apostrophe evils. If you get if you get it, check this out. It's the sixth song, and the song is recorded literally at three minutes and thirty two seconds. I, I'm pulling the the real facts up. Keep in mind, Rick Rubin, this Jewish occultist, is the producer. Who do you think Coach Jay-Z and what to use? He, I mean, this is a guy who was given a record label under Universal, who was run by powerful Jewish people at the top, who are all occult practices. It's on record. Why, why pick that? That's background information. I just wanted to throw that out there. What happens is Rick Rubin does occult practices before the music is even done, before the music is even started. Right. He does his shaman rituals or whatever it is, and he has a book. I saw the book myself. It's It says white mag- black magic and white magic. Now, white magic is supposed to be good magic. but Dualism. Yeah. And so he did this practice. Jay-Z comes in who has now been initiated somewhere prior to this song being done. Because Jay-Z had been rapping for years before that. He just wasn't. This was his. He wasn't part of the establishment. Right. This is the album that solidified him in that role. That's why it's called Reasonable Doubt. Look, there's four songs on that album that need to be addressed, but that's another topic. I just want to point out this important fact that he was coached into making this song, number six, The Evils, with, with a numerological 666 breakdown. That's what it all boils down to. That song itself was him solidifying that, one, he didn't even know um, any of the Bible. He said it himself, I don't know the Bible. I never even read the joint. But he was yeah, it was to, Lucifer's Son of the Morning. It, yeah, it was he, written by uh, Kanye West, actually. Right. And he produced, Kanye West produced on that. But he had also been doing that prior to. Certain things just came to him because he had been initiated and in practicing the occult. Jay-Z, not like a drug type. He more of a, a, a full initiate into those quote-unquote mystery schools, as they like to call it now, these through the 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 blacks, we'll call it the blacks and wax right now because I'm not really trying to get into it. But what he did was he produced his song with real witchcraft done before the song was started. After the song was done, he lined them up according to whatever it was. And, of course, those the powers that be in the record industry because he had done the rituals prior to, I mean, that's a, a, a whole list of them before you even get to that point. I mean, when I first uh, was approached by a guy, all I know, his nickname was his nickname was Coach. He had done some songs for Amy Marie back in the day, and um, he had me and my cousin who worked for the radio station. He literally presented himself to me and was like, yo, your music is pretty good, but it's missing something. Okay, what is it missing? He was like, listen, I'll be right back. Roll up the blunt. Let's have a conversation. Man, this is me and my god brother sitting there. And I'm giving you these little scenarios so that you can see how it's actually done. He comes to me. I know now that it was a book on Freemasonry. At the time, 
I have uh, uh, pretty much a photographic memory. Long as it's not a bunch of numbers, I can remember exactly what I saw and almost draw it all out for you. I saw a book. The whole front of it was duct tape, and he had it set to a specific page. And keep in mind, I'm black, so I saw a man wrapped in, in a drawing in the book with a list of spells. When he turned to a page, I mean, maybe they weren't specifically spells, but they were rituals. I saw a page with candles and black and white checked the floor. But three pages later, or how he did three swipes across the book, and that was a, a page where there was a, a rope wrapped around a man's neck like a noose, like he was going to be hanging, and he had his shoes off, and he had a, a weird hand gesture. So he was like, listen, we, could, we need to talk about um, some big moves. I mean, like I said, he, and he let me see his music resume. He played some of the songs that he had been working on, and it was real people. And he, came, he was in my city. It wasn't like he was some stranger. He actually knew people from my family and everything. He was like, yo, you need to, you and your brother need to get on. My brother was like, no, let's just sign this paperwork. I'm like, pause, bro. You don't sign nothing without knowing what you're signing. Right. I don't know him. I didn't even read the paperwork because I said, check this out. Ain't nobody put no rope around my neck for no money. I'm like, I'm like, what, what you think? We're going back to slavery? Now, I didn't know where he was going. I didn't understand it, but I, something told me it wasn't right, and I wasn't saved then. I was like, nine, nah, 19, I got that. I was like 17. I, had, I was just about to graduate from high school. And so they came to me first, and that wasn't the first time, but it was the one where the most pertinent stuff happened. I went to this nice hotel. We was in a room. He had his studio stuff set up. He had a nice little pad, too. It was nice. And we was out in Baltimore County, and he addressed me. He, he basically told me his background, told told me that he knew relatives of mine. He mentioned them by name, neighborhood, and everything. And it was like, yo, I'm going to look out for you. I just want you just you can get with me. It's a few little things that you got to go through, initiate, boom, boom, boom. I make some things happen. There'll be money at the end of the table for you. I ain't like the way it sounded, so I backed up. And just as fast as I was like, no, nah, I'm good, it's as fast as he escorted us to the door. I was like, hey. You're missing out on the deal of a lifetime. And so what happens is these people do rituals that don't, before you even mess with the music, you don't, yeah. need, you don't even need to, you don't even need to smoke a blunt or any of that type of stuff. The, well, yeah, that's what I was well, getting to. I, I was getting to the whole occult aspect of, of music. Like John Todd said that they, the witches get together and they pray over the CD before it's yeah. even produced. That's how drugs is made. Drugs is done too. When you get... I'm telling on myself. That's how drugs is done too. When you when you, when you you go to what we quote-unquote call the plug, the supplier, who is typically is not American, they have their own rituals. By the way, for the, if you don't really know me, my background, my, my parents, my, my grandfather is Haitian, so that makes me Haitian by blood. And then my, his wife was part of the Blackfoot Confederation, and she was a Nisa Tapi tribe. And I didn't know anything about this until I got older and I kind of talked to my biological father. Apparently, because of the type of blood that I had, quote-unquote, genetically, I'm supposed to be able to deal with 
certain magical things. They really believe in certain types of genetical, genetic traits that help you deal, like shamanism or voodoo or voodoo, if that's what you want to call it. They say that if you are part of a certain bloodline, you have certain roots that allow you certain rights and respects that the average uninitiated person will have. So the reason why they always try to find somebody that's a relative of yours is to see what your roots are connected to. Because if your roots are already, somebody in your family was already on some demon type of stuff, they're going to have a better chance in reaching out to you because of the familiar spirits on your family members. And yeah, that's, they, they, that, that's how they identify, and that's how they identified Beyonce. You know, it's it's funny, though, yeah. that you mentioned all that, and because um, when I was studying music, and I wasn't in the music industry, but I was studying it, and it's funny, though, how they picked, because Beyonce was with just Destiny's Child, Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson with with his five his four other brothers Jackson five, mm-hmm. and it's funny though how they pick out one particular person now. Now there had to have been a, something in Michael Jackson's bloodline to allow them to pick him because he was the most talented, he was the most charismatic, he was the most charming, just like Beyonce. She was the prettiest of the group. You know, she could sing and all this other stuff. She could dance better than the other two girls. So they didn't pick Michelle and the other one. They picked Beyonce. You know, of course, you remember the song Crazy, uh, Crazy in Love mm-hmm. um, uh, with uh, the, the video, that, the music video that she did with, uh, with Jay-Z, and she was supposedly mm-hmm. killed. Beyonce was supposedly killed, and out comes Sasha Fierce uh-huh. out of this explosion, and she's dancing with Jay-Z. So that was called a Gnostic initiation. If anybody right. studies Gnosticism, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, what it was. It was literally a ritual to help bring forth that whole possession piece. Where I mean, it's and I agree with that. again. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's crazy because a lot of it, and I'll say this much, and I can be quiet again. I said all that to say that ministers at churches, people, let's say you, you have a church, you only have like 15 members, you're starting up, and some big-name pastor from across this overseas comes over and sees you, like, oh, I'm going to help you out. I want you to be a part of my uh, my big-time ministry team, blah, blah, blah. Let's pray and lay hands on you. And they mask it in Christian lingo, and it mm-hmm. comes and they come and, and, and they tell you, look, this is the type of moves you need to make, the type of moves that you need to make, and they guide you through a, a set of series of steps. And they set you, I'm telling you, because I saw it. And these cats will do a whole bunch of witchcraft and then call it the Holy Spirit, not right. knowing that you just, you just uh, uh, allow. Because a lot of people, if you say if you tell a random dude that's not saying on the street, come and sell your soul, I'm going to give you this money, they're going to back up because they don't like the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. But if you got to understand that Satan not going to give it to you in a way where you're going to run from it. He wants to position it in a way where it sounds amazing. That's why in that movie that she was talking, uh, Sister Rose was talking about, the man didn't realize until it was that time 
for when Satan required his soul, that yo, dang, I didn't, I didn't sold my soul. You know how many people? You know, funny thing about this. Yeah, but here's the thing. Nowhere in the Bible says that, you know, says that Satan bully runs the business to the point where he can take your soul. If you repent, what people are scared of is the fact that when, when they quote unquote sell a soul, that they have to they're tricked or deceived into a point where their minds become reprobate and to the point where they won't repent. That's what it really becomes. Because or no they feel is, like they can't repent. You know, right. they've done all this evil. You know, they sacrificed. Like, they burned with, all the bridges. But God yeah. will, there are witch, people in witchcraft who have done all of these moves, who have become Christians and right. repented completely and then turned around and exposed a large piece of it. But the crazy right. thing about it is a lot of the times when they begin to speak out on them, they become martyrs. But a lot of people are scared to die at that right. point. And so what, what I would like to say is when it comes to the major facets that draw and dispense money, drug dealers, they get their drugs from people overseas. A lot of the times their practices uh, there are drug dealers that, I mean, uh, 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 people who dispense drugs and they pray over their narcotics. Or they, they literally do rituals where they sacrifice animals, people, whatever it is, burn certain types of things. Then they ship it, put their stamp on it, and then they send you whatever it is. And then you pick it up. And, and a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to do a whole bunch of rituals to invite negative spirits into your life. You just have to have a negative spirit. Like Cain was just jealous of his brother because God feeded him. And in the Bible records that God, uh, God came to him and said, look, sin is crouching at the door. Apparently, Cain couldn't get over whatever it was that was holding him back, and he did commit sin. Right. Just like all of us, we allow the enemy we allow the enemy to use us. Not everyone is demon possessed. They just make bad decisions. That's why we repent. So what happens is a lot of these people ignorantly do things that have uh, adverse effects. For example, when, when like, Jehovah's Witness come to my door, I don't let them in. I step outside and close my door behind me because I don't want you coming in on that level, and I just kick the gospel and then I escort them off my property because typically they don't listen and they typically feel like they need to bust you over the head with their version of whatever it is, that Charles Taze Russell doctrine or whatever right. his name is. Well, they, that's what they do. But at the same time, you was, you was giving them the gospel, and I love, quote, quote what is that, uh, Galatians, um, where it says if you um, give them any other gospel other than this, let him be the church. That's uh, Galatians one, where it says, "If any, if any man preaches another gospel, let him be accursed." And uh, angel, maybe yeah, any man or angel, if any one of us come preaching a different Jesus or a different gospel, any man or angel, let mm-hmm. him be accursed. Exactly. And so, what needs to be remembered is every walk of life where there is an outlet to media or the airways or to a financial incentive or to a sexual incentive, 
there will always be some high-ranking spiritual entity behind that that will have some multifaceted way of spinning a web of deceit to get you to be drawn in. And a lot of times, churches, the largest scandals in the church are uh, some kind of money, money issue, or some kind of false doctrine, or some kind of sexual issue. Those are the main can, three can, things. Can, can, right. I, can, I add, can I add to that? In um, yeah, reference hey, to Miss um, hey, Rose, um, I'm sorry? Uh, uh, I just want to let you know, uh, we already passed the second hour. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so after you make your point, we should probably end it. And mm-hmm. I think next, I think next week we should uh, pick back up, you know what I'm saying, right here where we left it because, you know what I'm saying, this is this is pretty good. Okay. But uh, in reference to uh, Miss Rose's uh, question, uh, I believe that the church is weak because it's adopted the seeker-sensitive model. They don't under – a lot of pastors are not they, – they don't understand the biblical they, – they're not following the biblical – uh, model for a church, number one, and they're not following the biblical. Some of them are, most of them are not even called to preach. They're not called to pastor. They're not called to that office. So, uh, like Darian said, um, they just appoint themselves, and then they make they make a church. They build a church from the ground up, and they appoint deacons and other pe- uh, people that are in positions of leadership. And they, they call themselves a ministry. And if you noticed, people that do that, their their ministries don't last long, maybe about two or three years. And then after the two and three years is up, they're gone. You, you walk by that uh, location and the church is not there anymore or it's replaced by another ministry. And so, and then on top of that, since the seeker-sensitive model has been adopted into the church, um, we have... We, uh, you know, we have a doctrine that's not biblical. We have false doctrine. For instance, we we replace Bible study with entertainment. So now we have to introduce. We 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 have to be relevant to the culture. And there's a lot of individuals that that a lot of Christian leaders that think that we have to. That they have this existentialist view of well, I can be culturally relevant but theologically conservative. That's confusion. How can you be Superman and Batman all at the same time? You can't. You've got to be one or the other. So oh, this, 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 this confusion has created nominal Christians at best, worldly Christians at worst. And so we can't be a light in this dark world because we've become a part of it. We've become, we, we're so busy being relevant to the world, so we introduce the culture. We have uh, individual ministers, youth ministers, uh, that, and that's not even biblical. But anyway, youth ministers coming into the church and showing R-rated movies, and then having a discussion about it. What kind of nonsense is that? That that? How do you have? You know, you, you're watching a movie like I don't know, um, uh, that movie by E.L. James, the author. Um, Fifty Shades of Porn. I mean, Fifty Shades of, of Pornography. I mean, you, well, you know what it is. You, you have that, and you bring that into uh, your church, and now you, you want to have a conversation about it? 
and, and Christians don't know. So, well, the average Christian today don't know because they've become they're, they're postmodern, and, and and this is the culture that we're living in. This is the the, the state of the church, postmodernism, and we've discussed GT and I discussed this weeks ago. Postmodernism has entered into the church, and it's weakened. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through four, Paul says to Timothy, speak, preach the word, and that's a and for all you English majors out there, that's in a definitive statement, a command, with the inference being you. You preach the word, Timothy. Be instant in season when they like it, out of season when they don't like it. Reprove, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. And verse three, for the time will come when they will not in well, verse four actually, and the time will come when they will not endure or put up with, tolerate sound doctrine, but will heap unto themselves teachers. Mm-hmm. There we go. Teachers having itching ears. They want to hear what you have to say because they're preaching about prosperity. They're preaching about money. They're preaching about materialism. They're preaching about being relevant to the culture. You know, being seeker sensitive. They're being. They're trying to uh, introduce worldly philosophy into the church. So now we're not talking about the gospel. We're talking about social issues, racism, um, disease, poverty, um, uh, illiteracy, Rick Warren, uh, global, you know, this this peace thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you wanted to say something, Miss Rose? I, I think that was Darian. Oh. Yeah, that, and someone else. Um, oh. No, no, but I do think that everything that you're you're saying correct, and I do I will look forward, you know, for us to be picking up because I have some other comments, but I don't want to extend it um, longer than our time. So I'm gonna just listen to comments, and then I'll come back in next week. Okay, um, I'm now I'm curious to hear what you have to say. So uh, <laughs> now I'm gonna yeah. have to wait until next week. <laughs> yeah. Um... And just to, just to uh, piggyback off of what Darian and um, David said, uh, everything that they said I have written down right here. Like they pretty much read every single thing that I that I was going to say. You know, in regards to the time, the the, the end times. You know what I'm saying? How the Bible says that in the end of uh, that. There will be a great falling away first, and then I'm automatically taken to Revelation chapter three about the Laodicean church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how David brought up the fact that you know what I'm saying you can't be Batman and Superman at the same time, and it automatically made me think of how Jesus said, "Because you're lukewarm." See when yeah. you're trying when you're trying to be when you're trying to be both at the same time, you become lukewarm. You know what I'm saying, and uh, that's uh, that's how I'm seeing it. And it's like uh, like today's message, for the most part, that I've seen and heard. I'm rich. I'm the richest pastor. I got the biggest church. Mm-hmm. I got the baddest car. You know, things of that nature. And uh, to make things worse, the Bible is not being preached. No, nope. you, you got people who have itching ears. They want to hear the feel-good messages. Uh, There's no real understanding of the scriptures. 
because of of, of the lack of Bible study mm-hmm. and uh and you know that question, you know, where's the power of the church today? You know what I'm saying? Like you I I think we will find the power of God, the spirit of God in in what is called I call it now, you know, God has always had a remnant of people. And mm-hmm. I think I think right now we have that's where we at. The stage the stage of the church now is there's a remnant within the body of Christ uh who are street preachers. They out there preaching, they on the front line. You got mm-hmm. preachers now, you know, technology, you got social media preachers and you you got some some really good ones out there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, preachers uh, on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Um and you still you you still have some faithful pastors out there who pastor these churches and you know, they tell it like it is. They don't hold yeah. nothing back. They you know what I'm saying? They are in season and out of season of and out just as the Bible commands. Um you know, it's it's been the the church for the most part from what I've seen has been compromised and uh you know with with all the stuff that Darian and uh David mentioned, that's that's where we at. And I think we have to look to the remnant now to to see the real power of the church. To the the people who actually make things move. You know, people like us, you know, we're not part of an established facility but we're actually uh, part of the body of Christ, literally. Like, we're part of the body of Christ. So um, that's that's all I have to say on, on, on that one. Um, Dave, if you want, you can close us out on prayer. Um, I do want to remind everybody that, you know, Freestyle Fridays is 9.30 until... Uh, Whenever. We, <laughs> yeah, we usually do two hours. Uh, if I didn't have to work... We could have continued on, uh, but I have to mm-hmm. work tomorrow. But, yeah, I am looking forward to next week uh, because, you know, uh, this is our second Is this our second, second uh, discussion on this, David? Yeah, uh, we did yeah. one I'm, last week, but uh, yeah, we didn't continue. To... Okay, yeah, well, the, first one, the first one I'm going to tell you where it's uh, derived from because we, we, we brought up the fact that Saul, he was troubled by an evil spirit, and he asked his his men asked him, you know, hey, we know somebody who can play the harp and come in and play the harp to drive that spirit away. And of course, we know it was David. So it actually led led into a question: What is the spiritual aspect of music that caused that you know what I'm saying that can cause spirit to react to it, not just humans but spirit and uh, the more and more we talk about this, uh, the more and more we go into details about it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. Um, I think we start our Christmas vacation or whatever, on and off days and things of that nature. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope that everybody who called in will call in next week. And not just that, but, you know what I'm saying, bring, bring your friends, tell your friends about it. Uh, if you know any young people, I'm still trying to get my little brother to jump on. Um, but he works at this time of the night. But, yeah, um, get the young people who 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 who's influenced 
by this demonic music. And, you know, sometimes, and also invite people you know that's in the church. So, uh, because it, music affects all of us. And this is something that we just need to get out on the table. And uh, I appreciate Miss Ann and Darian for calling in. And, uh, like I said, next week, same bat channels, same bat time. <laughs> and uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk to y'all then. David, go ahead and lead us out, bro. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, next week uh, we're, we're going to continue with this, part two. I mean, part three, rather. Uh, we were doing part one uh, November the 18th, which was the week before Thanksgiving. So uh, next week we'll continue with part three, and we're going to get into this. So with that being said, thank you all for calling. And uh, so uh, we're going to lead us out in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, it was uh, all, it was a great time that we had in, in, in your name and Lord. And uh, thank you for uh, your Holy Spirit, Lord. And thank you for, your, for salvation, which we did not earn. Uh, thank you, Father, for... Um, I pray that you look over each family that's represented here, Lord. Keep them and protect them, Lord, during these holidays, during the holiday season, and bring us back next week uh, for part three, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, again, next Friday, y'all. Thank y'all for calling. Uh, God bless y'all. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.